Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the CGF Sustainability Podcast with me, Louise Chester. In this series, we take a deep dive into all things sustainability, from forced labour to plastic waste and the circular economy, to food waste, forests and so much more. Today, I'm delighted to be joined on the podcast by Colin Kerr, Global Head of R&D, Packaging Excellence and Technology at Unilever. Colin is a co-lead of the Plastic Waste Coalition's Chemical Recycling Workstream, so I wanted to take a moment to chat to him about the Coalition's big announcement earlier this year and get his thoughts on the contribution that this technology can make to the plastics challenge. So let's meet Colin. Hi there, Colin. Thank you for joining me today on the the CGF podcast. How are you doing? I'm very well, thanks. Uh, Thank you very much for having me here today. You're very welcome. So perhaps the logical starting point then would be if you could tell us, Colin, a little bit about yourself and your role at Unilever. Yes, certainly, Louise. So, um, yes, so my name is Colin Kerr. Um, I'm the head of packaging technology at uh, Unilever. Um, I have worked for Unilever for 35 years um, in a number of different roles across the R&D spectrum. Uh, particularly in the world of of packaging in its varying forms within the world of Unilever. Uh, And my current focus is that I'm uh, responsible for the programmes that we run where we're looking to identify next generation materials, solutions and technologies that can help us to address the many challenges that we have as, uh, as Unilever. Brilliant. And so I know that you are going to be extremely well placed to uh, answer my second question. And that is perhaps then you could share with me Unilever's sort of high level view on the plastic waste challenge. And then then perhaps you could speak a bit more specifically on, on the company's view on chemical recycling, as I know you're very involved with our work at the CGF on that. Yes, certainly I can uh, I can do that. Um, so to start off with sort of the, the Unilever big picture, as it were, um, and certainly Unilever is a company uh, where sustainability is right at the heart, in fact, of what we do. It's right at the heart of our vision and our purpose as an organisation. Um, we have recognised some years ago now, in fact, that plastics was becoming an issue um, as society was becoming much more uh, aware of the issues and challenges that plastic waste was having. Um, and therefore, we became one of the very first founding members of the, uh, the global commitments with the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. Um, and as part of that process, we then started to think about how do we as Unilever need to make some commitments and therefore Back in 2018, in fact, we created a set of commitments around our plastics uh, use. uh, And those were that we have committed that we will reduce our use of virgin plastics by 50%. Um, We will include at least 25% post-consumer recycled plastic in all of our plastic packaging. Um, We will ensure that 100% of our plastic packaging is recyclable reusable or compostable, and we will help to collect and process at least as much more than we actually use and put into into the marketplace. So with all of that as context in terms of the big picture of where Unilever uh, is thinking about its its commitments around plastics, um, then indeed the question is where does chemical recycling fit within all of that? So Unilever's view, because of uh, all those things that I've just commented on, is that 
a key element, therefore, to support the, the drive forward that we want is that we need to maximise uh, our use of recycled materials. Um, they can play directly into a number of those commitments that I described. Uh, now, to do so, our starting point is that we would want to maximise our use of mechanical post-consumer recycled materials. And indeed, we are doing that and we have um, significant use of mechanical PCR already in our portfolio and continue to expand that. However, we do see that there are some significant challenges, in fact, uh, in the use of some of these materials. Um, the materials don't always have the quality and the, the consistency and quality that we need. We see some challenges in terms of the technical performance of these materials. Um, and we also see that there are significant challenges in terms of access to, for example, uh, food grade uh, materials, particularly polyolefins, um, and the, therefore the ability to use recycled plastic in a number of our, of our different uh, packaging formats. Therefore, we see chemical recycling as a complementary solution, a way of being able to further increase our use of recycled plastics particularly giving us access to food grade polyolefin material as a recycled content, the ability to be able to therefore uh, increase the recycling rates of hard to recycle materials, which today are not being recycled through mechanical processes. And when we look at all of that, we see that there is definitely a role for chemical recycled materials to be able to complement and supplement what we can do. However, in, to do that, uh, we do need to make sure that the right processes are in place and that there are robust and transparent criteria around that, uh, that material. Thanks, Colin. Really good to hear about Unilever's very commendable sort of spectrum of um, commitments there. And I really want to dive more into this uh, topic of chemical recycling with you. So I hinted at earlier that you've been very involved in, in the CGF's work on the topic, and you are, in fact, currently co-lead of our work stream on, on chemical recycling. So could you take a step back and, and explain to our listeners why this topic was chosen as one of the coalition's priority areas? Certainly. Um, so yes, indeed, as you say, I'm uh, very fortunate to be one of the, uh, the co-leads uh, and working closely with all of the members of the, uh, the, the working group on chemical recycling within, uh, within the Plastics Coalition. Um, we all recognise that chemical recycling is a rapidly evolving area but it's still very nascent. Um, we recognize that um, there is an opportunity for the materials that can come from this sort of process to play an important role across the FMCG uh, industries, uh, to be able to give us access to food grade materials as we've commented on, to be able to uh, find value in hard to recycle uh, materials today, such as flexibles and so on. However, when we look at the, uh, the current evolving uh, marketplace for chemical recycling, we see that there are very different approaches being taken all across that value chain. We do believe that in order for this area to be accepted, there does need to be some transparent, robust, and indeed credible uh, sort of principles around here. Uh, and therefore, as the ultimate uh, end users, the end customers of this materials, because the uh, FMCG brand owners um, who are part of this, uh, this coalition ultimately are the ones who are going to take these materials and incorporate them into their packaging 
and then put it onto the marketplace with their brands. And therefore, we do feel it's very important that we have a point of view um, and that we are able to share that point of view in terms of what we believe the criteria are for acceptability of this technology space. Uh, and that conversation is indeed what's led us to work for some time as a, as a group to come to a point of view and ultimately to be able to uh, issue recently our vision and principles paper, which describes some of those key points that we consider to be necessary in terms of our criteria for acceptability. Oh, thank you. So perfect transition to the next question. I did want to talk about these, these principles that uh, were created. So why then, Colin, why was it so important for the industry to create principles for the development of, of these types of new um, plastics recycling technologies? And in order to make it a bit more sort of concrete, because it is a very technical topic, could you give a few examples of the principles? Yes, certainly. Um, so I think the starting point is that, you know, if chemical recycling as a technology space is ultimately going to be a viable technology at scale, it needs to be credible and it needs to be widely accepted. Um, in order for that to be the case, it is important that all across the value chain, everybody's aligning with a common perspective in terms of what needs to be in place and what support is necessary. It's also extremely necessary that um, the external environment and the external stakeholders are equally supportive of this technology uh, as a complementary and important space to be developed. Uh, and that, of course, covers um, you know, important NGO groups. It covers regulators. Uh, of course, it also um, eventually covers also consumers and their perspectives on these things. So in order to give this space the best opportunity to become viable and to become uh, an area that can be developed at scale, we felt that it was important to create these core principles um, around what acceptance criteria would look like. And maybe if I can then just give you a, a view on what some of those important criteria are that we think are, are, are sort of right at the heart of this space. Um, starting point is that we, um, we all believe that chemical recycling is a complementary technology. It's there as a complementary to mechanical recycling. We believe the starting point is mechanical and we should always be looking to maximize what we can achieve through, uh, through mechanical recycling processes. However, chemical recycling does have the opportunity to complement what you can do there and therefore to build and offer further opportunities. So complementarity, very important as a first, uh, first principle. The second principle is that we need to make sure that chemical recycling is looking at those feedstocks which today are not able to be managed through a mechanical recycling process. And therefore, uh, our feedstocks, which are ultimately in today's environment, typically going to incineration or indeed to, uh, to landfill in some markets. And therefore, we should focus the attentions of this technology on being able to uh, divert materials which are classified as harder to recycle materials, which would otherwise end up in incineration and landfill, and take them in as the feedstocks to the chemical recycling processes. The third area that we think is very important is that this technology needs to be maximized in terms of its yields to be focused on plastics as the output. We need to make sure that the, as the technology develops, the considerations about the output materials and therefore the 
uh, optimization of the necessary processes involved are focusing on those starting materials which are ultimately going to be important to deliver plastics as the output and therefore as part of a circular process. Uh, we do not believe that the outputs should be focused on fuel as an output, which is one of the alternative spaces in principle these materials could end up. We definitely want the yields to be maximised for plastics. The next area that's very important is traceability. Um, very important. It's a complex uh, value chain, and it's very important that there is full traceability for material as it flows throughout this value chain, and that those materials are independently certified. And there are a number of bodies out there who are able to provide these types of certificates and can give reassurances that the whole process end-to-end -end is one which is uh, robust and is fully traceable. The next area is uh, that actually, of course, you know, ultimately, <clears throat> for this to be a viable technology, the life cycle assessment also needs to make sense. And it definitely needs to be better than the virgin fossil fuel derived plastics, which are currently the, uh, you know, the, uh, the alternatives that are there. And then lastly, we need to make sure <clears throat> excuse me, that our, uh, any claims that have been made in this space are also uh, credible and indeed they're fully transparent. So people can see the basis under which the uh, claims are being made. So a set of principles, we believe that all of those together give this technology the best opportunity to be able to be uh, able to develop at scale in a credible manner. Wonderful. Thank you so much, um, Colin, for, for going into such detail on the principles. Very, very interesting. Um, you, you did mention life cycle assessment. You're very good at helping me with the transitions on the questions. And so that that is the next thing I wanted to discuss, because our coalition also at the same time as the vision and principles paper released an independent life cycle assessment study. Um, could you, Colin, please share some of the top level findings of this paper? Certainly. <clears throat> um, so, yes, uh, an important piece of work, um, indeed, what has been the work that we've done to develop a, uh, a life cycle assessment. Um, there are, of course, already a number of life cycle assessments that already exist uh, out there for chemical recycled uh, materials. They're typically LCAs that have been either done by or commissioned by companies, organizations who have been looking to understand the implications of the material that they have been developing. But what we have seen is that it is not uncommon for the outputs of these uh, LCAs to be questioned and indeed to be challenged by other parties um, for a whole variety of different reasons. Uh, and therefore, as a CGF working group, we saw some real added value to put together an effort to create the first independent life cycle assessment of the technology, and particularly with incorporation of an external expert panel who were providing continuous critical review at each step in the process. So that's the sort of uh, approach that we decided to take. Uh, we commissioned Sphera to help us uh, with this process. Um, what I should say is that we put our focus particularly on the pyrolysis process um, and particularly focused on Europe <clears throat> as being uh, 
perhaps the most developed uh, area at this point in time, and certainly an area which was uh, in need, uh, particularly of this independent uh, LCA assessment. Mm -hmm. So when we looked at that, uh, at the detail of that, um, our starting point for the comparison is um, these type of hard to recycle materials that I talked about before. So typically they might be polypropylene, polyethylene flexibles uh, or, or, or other sorts of materials of that nature. If we look at those in the current environment, they're typically, they might end up in, in incineration. Um, and if we use that as a reference and then look at a pyrolysis process for chemical recycling um, in Europe, uh, and we go through that whole process, we have seen that the greenhouse gas footprint associated with that, uh, that process is 43% less than the alternative being fossil fuel derived materials which end up in incineration. So a significant reduction. Um, however, um, not everything is 100% incinerated, of course, uh, and there are uh, many markets where there's a degree of landfill that also takes place of, for these sort of materials, given they are not being mechanically recycled in the vast majority of cases. So we also did an assessment looking at uh, the average European scenario, which uh, between incineration and landfill, which actually is 55% incineration, 45% landfill. And even under those circumstances, we see a 25% reduction in the greenhouse gas uh, emissions associated with the technology. So this does give us confidence that actually there is a greenhouse gas benefit associated with chemical recycled processes, um, certainly in, con in the context of, of a pyrolysis type of, of process. So we are, um, we've therefore uh, issued uh, and published this LCA, made it available to the community to help the independent debate and the, uh, the understanding about the LCA implications of this technology territory. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. So my final question then to you, Colin, is um, what I'd like to hear from you, what, what your hopes for the, for the recycling of plastics in, say, 10 years from now? Where would you like us to, to be? I think there's no doubt that uh, the landscape will be very different from today. Um, I do hope that we will see some significant changes in the mix of materials that are being used. I would expect that things that we talk about today, uh, you know, guidelines around design for recyclability, for example, fully embedded, um, that we do see, uh, and I would fully expect to see alternative types of products and packaging formats being much more prevalent uh, than perhaps they are today, and definitely much more um, use of reuse and refill systems. You know, I think we will see um, big progress on keeping all of these materials in circular economy loops. Um, we'll certainly see high levels of collection uh, across all markets and certainly significant developments and, and advancements in the area of sorting of these types of materials which are being collected. Uh, and because of that, I think we will see much more dedicated waste streams mm -hmm. will then allow much higher quality yields of recycled plastics which will lead us to certainly further expansion in mechanical recycled processes, uh, the, both the capacity, the capability, and indeed the quality of the outputs. And certainly we should be seeing chemical advanced recycling processes of one sort or another available at scale, being economically viable, being able to deal 
with the hard to recycle hard to recycle waste streams that we see today. So I think we will see a major reduction in leakage to the environment and a very different type of uh, of circumstances in, in 10 years time from now. Brilliant. Well, Colin, it's been a real pleasure to speak to you today. Thank you, first of all, so much for sharing more about Unilever's priorities and, and solutions to deal with this, this plastic waste challenge and also for sharing your wealth of knowledge on, on the topic of chemical recycling. It's been really very insightful to hear about these principles in more detail. Um, they are, as you said, absolutely vital to uh, developing this technology at scale um, and also hearing about the results of the LCA. So thank you very much for, for taking the time today to chat. My pleasure, Louise. Thank you very much for having me. If you would like to find out more about the Consumer Goods Forum and our work on sustainability, you can visit our website at www.theconsumergoodsforum.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe to the podcast for more episodes coming very soon. Thank you and bye for now.